All right, all right, all right. Good morning. Welcome to Pursuit of Balance. What's up, everybody? We're going to talk about four ways your body burns calories, and this is kind of a follow-up to the previous podcast from last week, talking about the things that we should change in the winter and you know, basically with less energy expenditure, we should have some level of a caloric deficit. How do we create that? Very minimal approach to it. Uh, or the aspect of just maybe exercising more so you can mitigate the effects of it without really changing diet. Um, so today I wanted to kind of follow up because I had a lot of people that were just like kind of laughing and agreeing with me on the latter part of it. They're like, you know, if I could live a life where I don't really have to reduce calories too much or even think about that because activity is there, energy expenditure is there, then that would be the ultimate goal. And I'm like, hey, man, to that one, right? Because like for me, I kind of live more in that boat majority of my life. So I want to go over, you know, mechanistically, like how does the body actually burn calories? And there's four ways, and I'm going to break all four of them down, obviously, and I'll break them down in order of where majority of the calories come from for the majority. And second, follow up, obviously, and the most important thing is like how do you actually improve that so you can become this metabolic machine that we want to be so we can – have more sustainability in our diet, worry less about the energy of what we're putting into it, right? So to open up the can of worms, let's jump right into it. So number one, the biggest one is your resting metabolic rate, which is the amount of calories that your body burns every single day at rest, right? So no matter what, you could be sick, you could be in a coma, you can watch Netflix for 24 hours, your body will still burn this fixed amount of uh, you know, calories per day, right? And that's obviously a huge chunk um, of our caloric expenditure. Um, granted, it's a little subjective because if you're someone that is very active, it becomes a smaller percentage. And if you're someone that's not very active, that might be majority of your expenditure. So that's number one, right? And for some people, like you can get this by doing an actual true metabolic test with like the breathing. And I actually have the metabolic cart here that I bought. Funny story, I actually bought it like three months prior to the pandemic shutting down. And these things go for thirty to fifty thousand dollars. Like they're very, very expensive. Super, super cool, um, but really expensive. Then this company called Panoe came out with a portable metabolic cart, and I think it was like half off or something. And I want to say I bought it for like six or seven thousand um, dollars. And I've used it once on myself as a test because, like, literally a few months later, obviously going into the pandemic, and this is something that you wear in your face. And I was like, there's no way people are going to be comfortable. Like granted you clean it off, but like, you know, there's, you're wearing the same thing. Um, but to get back on track here, that actually is the, the most accurate way to get a true snapshot of like metabolism and how many calories a day your body's burning. And you could do that resting. You can do that active testing, VO2 testing, etc. Um, but then there's things like our in body machine that we use here. We'll give you a print out a little number at the top. And that's just based off your metrics of, all the things involved between height, your weight, your muscle mass, etc. Um, so for me, for example, I think mine's a little over 2,000 calories a day that I'm burning at rest, right? So number one, that. Number two is going to be non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is what we call NEAT. Um, and it is pretty NEAT because this is actually where majority of your calories um, actively as a human, so not passively coming from resting metabolism, um, actually come from for most people, right? And no matter what, even if you're not super, super active, me keeping my eyes open, me talking to you, me twitching my foot, you know, I tend to be someone, and I was actually listening to Andrew Huberman's podcast, I don't know if it was, whatever, it was actually pretty recent, and he talks about, I think it's maybe the one with Dr. Uh, Lane Norton, 
And they're talking about like how people actually that fidget more had a higher net because or higher energy expenditure from neat due to those things. Um, but that just goes to show you that obviously everything in our body requires energy to be done. And that process requires energy, some of them more than others. Um, but that would be the kind of importance of like, you know, moving and those basic things. Number three is exercise activity thermogenesis, which is our dedicated time towards a certain activity. So if I'm going running or I'm going to functional lifestyles three times a week, um, whatever that might be for you, riding a Peloton, etc. That's number three. And then the fourth and final one is the thermic effect of food, which is the understanding that food has to pay a toll to go through the digestion process and certain macronutrients have different percentages um, of kind of thermogenesis in this process, right? So I'm gonna give you guys an example and we'll kind of start here and we'll work backwards on how to improve these things. So when you think about thermic effect of food, we have fat, which is a zero to 3%, which basically means that if we were to take in 100 calories of pure fat right now, our body would net take in 97 to 100, right? So there's not much of a toll. Fat's the lowest by far. Um, Carbs and carbs can be obviously a little subjective, depends on the type of carb. So if I'm having something like a fibrous carb um, versus a simple carb or processed carb or refined carb, so there's certain levels maybe that have a different toll, but that will range anywhere from on average four to 12. Um, so when you look at that number, it's definitely a lot higher than fat. But then the big one is like 20 to 30% of protein, right? So that basically means it's like if we had a chicken breast and we had 100 calories of chicken breast, our body would only taking net 70 to 80 calories in. So we would burn 20 or 30 calories just out of the 100 calories per chicken breast. Um, and I use chicken breast as an example, not because it's anything special, but the fact that it's probably the leanest cut of protein that we can use. So when you look at your food selection, like if you're someone that wants to be more metabolic or you want to be in a have an easier way to stay in a deficit or maintain those things obviously someone number one that eats a lot of animal proteins um, or protein in general is going to have a higher thermogenic effect from it right number two which would be the second one which is going to be fibrous carbohydrates then simple carbs then fats so if you really think about just kind of from a, a dietary approach standpoint we really want to look at protein being kind of the big focus fiber being the big focus, because not only do we get all the health benefits and all the muscle building side of it, um, but it's just more thermogenic. So it actually makes it easier for us to actually maintain that deficit due to the fact the majority of the diets built around those two things, right? Um, second thing, when we look at exercise activity thermogenesis, that's obviously pretty straightforward on how we increase it, exercising more, right? And as I said last week's podcast, that your format of exercise can be different. You could be someone coming to functional lifestyles. You could be someone that's a runner. You could be someone that's doing jujitsu. Um, whatever your dedicated craft or activity is, um, I personally in the winter try to make that something that I am more consistent with, with a higher frequency due to the fact that I naturally move a little bit less, right, in the wintertime. Um, because the whole point of this kind of conversation where it came up from this week talking to clients was like, well, if I didn't really want to change the diet too much, what are the things that I can do to keep metabolism pretty high or keep caloric expenditure pretty high? Um, and that's obviously what we're talking about today. The second one is non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And these are the little things that I think anybody that has a weight loss goal or fat reduction goal, even a health goal, um, which is probably everyone listening to this podcast right now, the importance of the little actions that we take of the movement side of things, not the exercise, right? So like when we talk about dimension number one for the thing that we have here at Functional Lifestyles, it's movement and exercise. 
So eat is exercise activity thermogenesis. Movement is non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Um, I have always preached, I wouldn't say always, over the last like latter half of my career, I have preached more the importance of movement than exercise when we think about fat loss, when we think about health optimization, stress reduction, blood sugar mitigation, all the things that I talk about all the time. Um, and the reason why <clears throat> it's, it's a less stressful response to the body than exercise is, um, and it's more foundational to our health in all aspects of it as well. So me walking the dog and, you know, I walk Kona 20, 30 minutes in the morning, walk to the park, throw the ball around for 10 minutes, walk back. Um, you know, Nikki and I, when we go eat at the prune yard or downtown Campbell, we never drive. We maybe one in five times ride the bike, probably sometimes more in the summer or whatever, but we walk a lot too. Right. Um, and then just movement, right? Like for me, obviously in my job, it's a little bit different than maybe most listening to this is I move, I'm on my feet and moving weights around. So there's just a lot of activity. Um, and there was a cool study that came out and I forget who talked, I want to say it was Thomas DeLauer that was talking about this on one of his videos or podcasts that they had a study that came out with uh, one group that were people that exercise and then remain sedentary for the rest of their life, or I'm sorry, the rest of the day, and then the other group that exercised and had a lot of good foundational movement in the day. Um, and the group that didn't have exercise, it almost, it didn't wash the effects, but it really was a significant difference, right? Um, so I think when we think about all things with optimizing even fitness and performance and aesthetics, like movement makes exercise more effective and movement obviously improves every other biomarker that we talk about. So when you guys think about energy expenditure, the big thing that we always want to focus on is just like the little things that you add into the routine that you don't think in the current moment make a huge deal, but in the macro make a huge deal. The person that takes the stairs instead of the escalator or the elevator, the person that parks at the end of the parking lot, the person that walks more places, the person that can walk after their meals or walk their dog or move or play with their kids or sports or whatever. There's a million ways for us to get movement and activity in. I can't stress this enough that the most important thing of what we do with our health is predicated on this, you know, kind of side of it. So movement for what we do to help optimize, you know, digestion for nutrition and blood sugar mitigation. And when we think about the stress aspect of it, when we think the improvements in sleep for someone that's active versus sedentary, the whole nine yards, right? So definitely the biggest piece that I would really spend the most time on focusing on throughout the day, right? Um, but then the last part, when we think about resting metabolism and, um, you know, basal metabolic rate, the only way for us to really truly optimize this um, is through fitness, but more importantly is really building muscle. Muscle is the metabolic machinery of our body, right? Meaning it has the highest demand for energy on what it consumes throughout the day, right? So when you think about having a, a human that has a lot more muscle versus the same person that doesn't have as much muscle and a higher body fat percentage, um, that could be the same weight and still burn a very different amount of calories throughout the day. So your lean body mass is going to be the big driver of that. Now, that being said, you know, there's things like the community that wants to talk about like the beijing of fat or brown fat, which has more mitochondria in it, which is basically still going to be to some degree metabolic. So it's not fair to say that adipose tissue is not metabolic. Um, but if it's not going through a process of browning or beige fat or some of that deeper visceral fat, that doesn't really have a big energy demand. So I'll give you guys an example. Um, I am a huge believer in cold plunge and cold exposure for the browning of fat and for all the other benefits that it provides. For me, it's mainly mindset over everything. Um, but th those are ways that you can kind of make adipose more, you know, metabolic, right? But at the end of the day, really, like I said, the one 
key component to improving basal metabolic rate is increasingly body mass, right? So when you think about your training and you think about people that want to have a really, really more flexible approach to their nutrition, you really need to focus majority on the stuff in your training on building muscle because that, think about it this way. This is always my favorite way to explain resting metabolic rate. Resting metabolic rate is like passive income, right? Everything else that you do with NEAT and EAT and TEF is active income, right? So think about it this way. Passive income is basically your body saying like, I'm giving you guys a weird example. Let's say I owned real estate and real estate is paying me money every year, every month for not doing anything. It cash flows. It works for me. Um, that's passive, right? Um, owning a business or whatever those might be. Active income is the stuff that we do for it, right? So me showing up to work or doing something like this or training my clients, those are active incomes. Um, I always like to think about it as like, BMR is passive. It works for us. So if I can increase my passive income, that's the ultimate goal in life for freedom for me. But think about that exact same approach when you think about nutrition. If I could build a higher BMR where my body's burning more calories at rest, then you have more flexibility, aka and freedom to eat more of what you want or have a higher caloric intake. We still want to be at a deficit for 99% of the world for longevity, health, weight loss, fat loss, everything we're talking about. But being able to cycle on and off of it or maintain a deficit over time in the macro, um, we want all four of these things to work in our advantage. So quick recap, BMR, number one, how do we increase it? Do more strength training, build more muscle. Two, neat non-exercise activity thermogenesis should be the second most amount of calories your body burns every day. And that's because you should move more. Stop focusing only on exercise and get off your ass and just walk around more. To, you know, like doing push-ups at home, doing squats at home, playing with your kids, like find things that give you movement and activity. Number three, exercise activity thermogenesis. If you want the best workout in the world, you should be at Functional Lifestyles. And if you're a Functional Lifestyles client and you're hearing this or you're someone that's not, I want you to share this with people because this is what you need to be doing for training. And that's my own bias. <laughs> Number four, the fourth and final one is the thermic effect of food. Eat foods that are high in protein. Eat foods that are high in fiber because they're not only going to be better for your health. They're not going to be better for satiety levels of preventing you from overeating. They're going to be whole food sources 90 out of 100 times. And they have the highest thermogenic effect on the body. So your body will burn more calorie at rest just eating more of those foods versus carbs and fats and processed refined foods okay all right guys i'll keep this one short and sweet so have a great day i'll talk to you guys next week